have, have you guys Black AI on Tenacious D, in Tenacious D, always record, <laughs> always record, always record. Uh, have you guys seen the AI sitcom stuff? The twenty four seven Seinfeld. I watched I How have. I Met Your Mother when it was on TV. That's basically an AI sitcom, right? Mm. Oh, you, it is so much more avant garde than than you really than haven't seen I this yet, Jason. It's no, awful. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's cool, but it, it, it's a continually procedurally generated version of Seinfeld that is just on Twitch, right, Jake? And it's yeah, just it's like pixelated garbage, and it, the, the plot lines are insane. I think it got frozen this morning, right? Everybody was they were, oh, they were stuck it? just at a mic in silence for like uh, six hours. <laughs> we do we not know that wasn't part of the script? Uh, Maybe it was. It's by the way, it's not Seinfeld for trademark purposes. It is. It simply is for. A female and female friend, male comedian, bald, fat, fat guy, you know. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah, there were Goofy. like 15,000 people watching it this morning uh, when I yeah. checked in. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, none of it makes sense. There are no jokes, <laughs> as far as I can tell. They're just talking, but there's laugh tracks. So I, it's really something to behold. And they, so I don't know if you guys know this, but they designed it before J- Chat GPT came out. And no, I didn't know that. Whoa. Yeah. The, like, Wait, why is it, that? It, tell me tell me why that's cool. That, well, I mean, it's going to be so much better once they, you know, harness the power of uh, Chat GPT, which has, I it seems you. actually like, makes Seinfeld like things. Yeah, it seems like a lot of projects were all sort of being worked on at the same time and they're all kind of coming to a head. At yeah. once, like everybody was working on AI. I didn't get the memo that we were all supposed to be working on these AI models at the same, <laughs> yeah. like a year ago, we were supposed to get started. Yeah, you can have the real one, the Chat GPT, or the Seinfeld theme one, which is doesn't make any sense. Is uh, this like the uh, smart speaker that speaks to you in the voice of uh, the guy from The Mandalorian? Gosh, what's his name? Pablo Pascal? Pedro Pascal. Pedro. Oh my gosh! What the, is I name? like how we're just no. ignoring the music now. It's just like we just ignore the music. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there is no music. We don't need to introduce ourselves. It, we, everybody knows who we are. It's no, nobody knows who we are. This is episode <laughs> six of a super obscure yeah. podcast that like twelve people in the world have listened to. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am not the host. Uh, Andrew's the host, but I'm Jason Ramsland. I'm taking over because Andrew thinks that everybody knows what? who we are. Uh, <laughs> so I'm Jason Ramsland. Right. right. Do, have I just totally screwed everything up now, Jake? What, where's no. the rule of law? <laughs> what is this? Oh, sorry. I'm making up the rules as we go. We're six episodes deep. We don't have to do anything <laughs> yeah. too serious all the time. We need to be there, more casual now. There's a list. Be a little there's flexible. a list of things. Be a little. Okay. Oh, that's right. We got a document. I should open the document if we're going to talk about the document. <laughs> you should tonight. check in. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, hello I'm an employment lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Ready? All right. Take two. Start. Clap. Good. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Esquiring Minds, episode 6 for February 2nd, 2023. This show is three lawyer friends goofing around for your enjoyment. Nothing we say should be taken as legal advice. I'm one of those friends. I'm Andrew Leahy. I'm a tax and technology attorney from New Jersey. You've already met Jason Ramsland. He's mm-hmm. from Tonight somewhere. Is, I don't know where he's from. I, I live Indiana. in Georgia. He's in Georgia. At the moment. I practice Sue law my bad in boss. Indiana. Com. SueMyBadBoss.com. Uh, we are three friends screwing around, like Andrew said. Tonight, there's going to be a lot of goofing around, it feels like. I'm in a mood, guys. Yeah. I'm in a yeah. goofing around mood. We're going to have a good time. He's a wild card tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm Jake card. Schumer. I'm a local government land use attorney. 
Uh, I'm really going to take the no research rule very far this week because I've been busy. Uh, so, yeah, I've got to substitute it with something. I, I, if no research, then I'm just going to, you know, freewheel it. And well, you can't be the wild card too. possible. If Jason's the, we can't have two wild cards. That's not. No, that's, that's totally fine. We can have two wild cards, one straight man. You're the straight man. Oh, I don't want to be. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah, Sorry. You're, you're, you're the straight man this week. Sorry. That's the straight man. Yeah. You're, you're yep. the Jim Nance and we're two, two Tony Romo's. <laughs> I don't know. I'll take that. Tony Romo's a great announcer. Yeah, it was, yeah, was a great answer. He, oh, he's gotten happen? worse. He's fallen down he the canceled? hill a little bit. He's not canceled. Oh, okay. He's just bad. <laughs> oh, okay. He's gotten worse. He 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 started liking talking too much, and now he's mm. much worse. <laughs> he should start a podcast. Uh, mm. So mm-hmm. we are really... Uh, so Jake made mention of this. I don't know if it's been like uh, thoroughly discussed as we've been on here before, but... We have like a rule that's not a rule, a law that's not a law, uh, that we try not to do any research for this. So if you are looking for well-researched, well-thought-out, scripted commentary that's like super insightful and precise, this is not the show for you. Uh, if you want three friends who are screwing around, and like we say this every week, Andrew says it every week, uh, we are here screwing around for our enjoyment and for yours. We touch on legal topics. We touch on technology topics. This is not advice. Even if it were advice, it would be bad advice that you should not take. If you want quality, go to The Daily. Take your, mm, yeah. yourself to that feed. The Daily is a great podcast. I don't listen it, to it enough, but it's a good show. Yeah. I don't like quality podcasts. I like bad podcasts like ours. Shoot from the hip. <laughs> yeah, right. They don't know anything about the topics they're talking about. Those are the best ones. Yeah. I'm going to adopt today the hook. daily, the Michael Barbaro. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to do that as you guys talk. I'm just going to continually make those little noises. And make if it we had pause a every three words, like, mm-hmm. and if you were to think, uh, but you know, right, I, sure. I don't even know if that's Barbaro. That's every like you know, mm. podcast NPR voice. Yeah. If you had a name like Michael Barbaro, which is a great name, and if you could have a sign off line like I'm Michael Barbaro, see you tomorrow. Oh man, I got to work on that. I'm, I'm going to come up with one. Yeah. Be my I, super we, fan. We got 40, we got 50, 60 minutes bef- to think of one while other people are talking. So, you know. Oh, don't put that kind of pressure on. I, there's no chance I'm coming up with anything in this time. Okay. Well, we've already frittered away <laughs> seven of those 60 minutes. So maybe we yeah. ought to just go ahead and get started. Uh, who's going to introduce us to our uh, first uh, little mini topic tonight? Well, uh, me, because I put it on there. Uh, sure. y'all, do y'all care about Twitter getting rid of its free API as of so, today or like uh, in a week it's going to go away? Tell us more about what that free API was for or about. What, I, what did I just tell you, man? I don't even know how to research this at all. What I know is so, that you need access to it to make s- silly little bots and research. Like if you want to make a bot that posts uh, automatically posts one picture of a possum per day. You need yeah. access to the API, and that's not worth paying for to post your possum pics. Um, and you yeah, know, ki- kids doing research aren't going to be able to pay whatever. I don't even know what it's going to be. Well, they say there's going to be a basic tier, which I think just makes it even more clearly a cash grab. Because if it was really, uh, you know, about like trying to sort of reinvent how Twitter is monetizing, then there would be no very cheap 
you know, low end tier, you would just have it be a, a you know pretty expensive. Like basically, you'd be looking to try to get some percentage of third party apps that are developed. This is just a this is just a cash grab yeah. and to shut off these like goofy little accounts. I think. And and to, to your point, Jake, yeah, you need the API basically mm-hmm. if you don't want to be doing like web scraping, like literally just sort of pulling the text down from a browser page. Um, in with some sort of application you're writing that would run on Twitter, you need API access. You need to purchase an API key. And every sort of interaction you make with the API is called an API call. It's like a command sent to the API, uh, to the Twitter um, like interface, basically. And so what they're going to be doing now is charging for not quite per API call, but for a block of APIs. So you'll get maybe 500 for a certain price. They haven't announced the prices yet. They said there'll be a basic tier, but they haven't said what that means yet. And I imagine they're floating this to see how big of a backlash there is. And I wouldn't be, yeah, all the little possum bots are going to go away. A lot of <laughs> academics are going to be sad. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually go back on this because of how, mm. look, I think it's clear that Twitter's current ownership does not have, does not care about like making its product attractive. Like other, like other platforms right. have been doing like, they just kind of treat Elon's been treating uh, Twitter like, of course, you have to be on there. Like, nobody's going to go away. So th- people are going to pay you whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as opposed to, you know, other platforms, which are like, we want these silly little bots. We want celebrities because we want to draw people in. Um, so but I think this is so not going to make enough money and annoy so many yeah. people that it, they might pull back like it does it's not that immediately obvious whether or not pay allowing somebody to pay eight dollars for a blue check is gonna is gonna cause a bad effect except for the impersonation and then they pulled it back once the impersonation thing started happening right um though it's still possible to impersonate apparently the washington post has a bunch of had like an expose how they were able to create a senator twitter account um even like a month after even like a month after the initial blowback and pull pullback of Twitter blue. Um, but yeah, the, like there's really no, like they're not going to get a lot of cash out of this. And now I'm going to have a lot of sweet bots on Mastodon to follow. Hopefully, hopefully they decide to port themselves over um, because I'm going to miss my bots. <laughs> I already hmm. missed. So, my bots. so is this API, is this the one that, like Google has something similar, Apple has something similar, Face- Facebook Meta has something similar where like you can log in to Twitter or you can like credential yourself with your Twitter account. Yeah. Is that what this API is? That's sort one of one so, of the uh, things, I think. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is a little bit of the like um single sign-on type feature, right? Like so you right. sometimes you go to a website to sign up for something like um I think Open Table is one of these, right? You go to open sure. table, you're going to try to uh, yeah. uh, make a restaurant reservation and you can just log in with your Google credentials or log in with your Facebook credentials or something. That is yeah. one aspect of it. But the other portion of this is just basically an access key that uh, you can get access to the the um, under the hood uh, code of Twitter. Like you could access to the firehose, basically. So you can do things like... Um, Oh, the fire pull down all what's that? Yeah, yeah. Pull down everything that you know, with a certain hashtag or something. There's a lot of little tools. Like a lot of podcasters use it for. You'll hear a podcast say like, um, if you want to ask a question of the podcast, uh, use hashtag oh. something or other, right? And that is almost certainly running through an API to be dumped into a Google spreadsheet of some sort. That oh. then all those tweets show up because they're not manually searching for them. Yeah, right? they don't want. Yeah, searching for it isn't really annoying. Like if yeah, you ever so search a, for a, a hashtag, it's it 
you're either doing latest, which is just like a lot of nonsense, or you're right. doing mm-hmm. like top and that's top results. And then right. it's like, you're going to keep getting the same stuff over and over. And it's like algorithmic and it's not that, you know, yeah, not useful if you want to see new stuff. Um, right. And so, I, I mean, I don't think the current management of Twitter realizes that I think they, they see this as like sort of a nerd tool. And at, at worst, mm-hmm. you're going to like alienate the nerds. And they probably figure that if you're that much of a nerd, you're already out, right? You're, you're <laughs> off Twitter now. And it's, or to your, to what Jake said, like where else are you going to go? You're going to, you're, you're, you're locked in. Right. But I don't think they realize how much traffic these sorts of little tools are driving. Even if the people yeah. who enjoy like the possum bots and stuff, that's just, you know, normies like following yeah. those sorts of accounts, right? You yeah. don't know how many, like the ripple effects of something like this, I think is going, are going to be larger than they expect. Yeah. Normies follow the freaks, the freaks, yeah. <laughs> like the, the one, like what, there's a study that like 1% of only 1% of Reddit signups actually ever post anything. And like 1% of Twitter signups ever actually post anything. It's like mm. there's a real there's like a core of people that post a poster class and right. the poster class <laughs> drives the value of the product. And they're oh, for like, sure. they're doing everything that annoys the poster class right now. Yeah. yeah. So is this uh, is it possible that this is just Space Karen overreacting to or not reacting, overreacting, but uh, I'm, I, it seems like everything's an overreaction reacting to Fetty Finder and just like, oh, too many yeah. people are leaving Twitter and going yeah. to Mastodon and Fetty Finder yeah. is this tool that's yeah. allowing, that's facilitating that yeah. exodus. And so we're going to break the API that makes Fetty Finder work. Is that, I mean, yeah. is that a plausible why, why would we let this happen? Yeah, I, yeah, totally. I completely yeah. think it is. I mean, I think, and he, I also think that he sees everything as, um, uh, to take sort of take the third party app example those mm-hmm. apps only exist on the strength of the api to him so if Tapbots, uh, to take an example uh is has any profit at all in a year that's just money out of twitter's pockets to mm-hmm. to yeah. the aforementioned space karen <laughs> for you know one because they could be charging for the api calls and two mm-hmm. because they're not seeing ads and then as you said sort of fetafinder all these other kind of tools that are just meant to be like an exodus to get out of twitter you know, why do we want to be giving people free access to that? We'll charge for it. And I think uh, he, he had a tweet today, I think, saying that uh, insinuating that the basic tier would be like $100 a month, which is just, you know, that's shutting down. <laughs> There's no more possum bots or anything. Like, who's paying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So unless you have like, a, back, yeah. And, what, and what explain if... also Fetty Finder, uh, just because people may not be as <laughs> online and as, as Mastodon-ish as we are. Uh, but Fetty Finder is this sort of tool that allows you to log into your Twitter account with these AP credentials through the Twitter API that's getting shut down in seven days. And uh, then basically, sc- not exactly scroll through, but look through your Twitter follows and identify which of those people have said in their bios, uh, this is where you can find me on Mastodon because I'm not here anymore. Mm-hmm. That's what Fetty Finder right. is. And I think that's probably just ticked elmo off and he wants to do something to stop it now i'm sure something in the api tos is gonna prohibit this but like could like every stupid possum bot pool for an api account i assume that's gonna be like a netflix account sharing situation where like of course you can't 
Um, they probably could, but they'll be the the the. Way I guess the calls be will be the problems. The yeah. Yep. So I mean, but you still could do that, right? If it's something yeah. like I imagine that for like say a possum bot, the calls are only to post because they're not pulling down any like replies or anything. It's just to to send you know yeah. one API call every hour or whatever. So depending on where how they set those thresholds for that that lowest tier, you probably could could pull it together. But on the other hand, I do wonder if the key if the API key would be tied to a single account. So yeah. you oh. could post dog photos on the possum bot, <laughs> you know, at possum bot Twitter account, but you're not going to be able to tie the API key to some other account. I, I don't know. I, I don't think probably the, it'll be, you know, restricted where you can't do that in some way. I wonder if you could use like a Chrome extension to do like the simple stuff like post, like just like possum post mm. and say, here's all the images that I want to post. Chrome extension says I will sit on twitter.com uh, right. and post this every 24 hours. I will post the next thing. I will click tweet. I will right. click attach image and then click tweet. Uh, it seems yeah. like something that should be possible. I mean, there are bots. They're uh, yeah, you shocking. There are bots on Twitter and those what? somehow exist despite not having API access. Yeah. So that's yeah. true. It's a good point. They'll drive it underground. The possums will go underground <laughs> as, yeah. as they, as they <laughs> yeah. love to. Yeah. Uh, I thought possums is, slept in trees. It's kind oh, of I guess they're not underground. You're right. Yeah. No, yeah. No, they're they're <laughs> yeah. They're arboreal uh, marsupials. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of strange. So what MKBHD pointed out that it's strange that Twitter had thirty par- third party apps to begin with in the social media sphere. Like there's no third party Facebook or Instagram right. apps. Right. It's yeah. like a. Twitter was all always kind of more dependent on third party stuff than any other social media company would have been care- comfortable with. Well, uh, and I mean, the, I think uh, it goes back to them not having a first party app initially. They didn't yeah. uh, for a little while. If you wanted to access Twitter on your cell phone, you were doing it via the browser. And so yeah. I don't know if it was Tweetbot or Twitterific or, or that other one that I think has since shut down. But I think that's the genesis of that is they just didn't have an app and, and sort of, I mean, Twitter was created by not only Twitter, but even like, you know, the iOS pull to refresh uh, UI gesture, that's yeah. Tweetbot or Twitterific or something. They were the first to do that. There's, there was like a lot of innovation done mm-hmm. with third-party apps. And Twitter was certainly built by third-party apps, not by first-party stuff. There's yeah, been the, a lot of chatter about that in the last couple of weeks, too, as uh, this is all going on. Yeah. Like uh, John Gruber, like a big-time Apple journalist guy who does a great podcast, great website, he had Craig Hockenberry on his show, <laughs> who was like the guy who invented the term tweet, who didn't work for Twitter, never worked for Twitter. He designed, <laughs> right. I think he was Twitterific, uh, was uh, so. the Icon Factory's uh, Twitter app. And like Twitter's very... like main thing tweeting uh was given its name by this guy who never worked for them just doing a third party <laughs> app it's it's so much more symbiotic than any other social network uh has been with any sort of external app i was gonna say that the the reason why tweets were 140 characters for anybody that didn't know mm. was because it fit into an sms uh-huh. it fit into an sms yeah. you used to be able to use twitter with sms and mm-hmm. which had a limit of 160 characters and they wanted space for the name, so it was the name right. and 140 characters for the uh, for the tweet. Uh, and they they held on to that for way too long. But anyway, do you guys remember the short story. code you had to, to text it to, to to tweet? Do you guys remember the, the number? I'm sure no, you do. I never used that. No, I, I I don't know if I used it, but it was always like all over the Twitter uh, website. It was 40404 was oh. the 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 code you had to send it to. So 
It's a good number. It's memorable. <laughs> it's yeah. memorable. Uh, also, it represents the fail whale that constantly pulled up the with a 404 yep. being the error code. Clever. Exactly. Um, yeah. Anyway. Sorry, are we man. ready to Twitter, move on to Twitter should more, not do this. Uh, it's going to be catastrophic <laughs> for Twitter. Uh, but basically, the entirety of the last four months yeah. has been catastrophic for Twitter. Twitter, do yeah. this. Drive them to us. Drive them to ask that social. Yes, all the lawyers and legally adjacent professionals. Yes. Um, speaking of lawyer, lawyers and legally adjacent professionals, uh, the I think the sort of main topic we want to talk about tonight that wasn't Twitter is this Johnson and Johnson. And this is assume I assume what you're saying, Jake. You didn't do any research. You're very busy. So. Do you, do you know anything about the Texas two-step beyond the the dance that you know and love? Here's what... So I did do enough, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Uh, so here's here's what I know, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, Johnson & Johnson. Everybody knows them. Everybody loves them. Um, okay, you're wrong. They made, Not everybody okay. loves them. <laughs> okay. They made talcum powder. Right. There's something up with talcum powder where it's like... It got infected with asbestos or something, or it has okay. asbestos in it on purpose. So yeah, this I looked into. This I looked into. So there's there's apparently some controversy. Um, talc, like the the mineral, frequently occurs in the presence of asbestos in nature. So when you go and oh. I don't know if you mine it or you whatever whatever they do to get it out, um, it can get contaminated with with asbestos. And so my understanding is that one contention is that this talcum powder had asbestos in it, and so you know that's not good. But mm-hmm. another is just that, like, talc itself is, you know, is, is oh. carcinogenic. Oh, and so okay. that's no good either. But sorry, go on. Okay. Okay. So that's that's the contention with all these lawsuits, class action, mass action torts against Johnson & Johnson for cancer caused by talcum powder. And there right. was one lawsuit of, where they were held liable for, like, $2 billion or something yep. for, like, 20 people. And so that spooked them real hard. Uh, and because of that, they divided their company, Johnson & Johnson, into two companies under a Texas procedure, which allows for a company to be divided in two and the old company is not liable for any of the new company debts. And one of the company right. got all the good stuff and one of them got all the tort liability for uh, all these talcum powder lawsuits. And that company that got all the tort liability filed for bankruptcy. Uh, and this yeah. was intentional to get rid of all that potential billions and billions of dollars of of tort damages. Right. Um, and they wanted to get rid of that through bankruptcy. And the Third Circuit said no, I guess. More or less. Yeah. I mean, so the... So first of all, did you guys read about... Did you, did you see the term that, 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 that came up as to what this is called? It's called a divisive merger. The spinning yeah. off, which I, I hate on its face <laughs> as a term because it's the opposite it's a it's a it's yeah it's a contradiction it's like a moist dryness it doesn't make any <laughs> sense i don't it is one or the other it is not a divisive merger it's yeah. either a division or it's, it's a, a division. merger it's, yeah. right yeah it's a division is what it is i don't know what merger has to do with it other than the only thing i, could, I was able to find was that the idea that both entities continue to exist is somehow important and that makes it a merger i have no idea why 
I, I don't so know how that's emerged. I think it's, but, I think, and this is, I am not a mergers and acquisitions expert, nor am I a bankruptcy yeah, expert, I. nor am I an expert really in, in law uh, of any kind. Uh, but that's not true. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway. Uh, we can see your so diploma. You went, you went too far. Reel it back. Reel it back. Yeah, you went back. too far. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We're, we can, we can uh, fix that one on the editing room floor, right? Uh, sure. Wait, we don't, we, we don't, don't edit. So editing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think. Uh, what happens is, and why you can still technically call it a merger is, I think they create uh, a new entity in Texas or some other favorable jurisdiction that has favorable corporate governance pro, uh, provisions in the law. Uh, and then they merge only part of the company that splits off of the oh. parent company. And so it still is a merger of sorts, oh, okay. but it's a merger by like, it, so it's not like strictly, what's the thing where cells divide? Is that mitosis? It's not mitosis exactly. So. It's more like we create another company and in the process of mitosis, the one that's leaving grafts onto this new company, I think is what's happening. I think and that's then that splitting, company right? declares bankruptcy. Splitting? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> spudding? Isn't that spudding? You got mitosis, and then you have spudding where the other thing grows and then it just kind of snaps off. I don't know. Okay, but right, <laughs> that, that company then declares bankruptcy after they... And so is it important... I know there's no research, so I, I don't know if either of you can answer this, but is it important that they do fund the uh, spun off company in some fashion? Like, so they threw, I don't know, $2 billion into that yeah. LTL thing. Is that relevant? Like, do they, do they need to do that? Because I don't know why they wouldn't just go all the way. Like, if you're going to be evil, be evil. Just don't, don't give it any money. Throw the so liabilities I, over there and yeah, don't fund it. I have to imagine that that is part of how you get a bankruptcy judge to approve this sort of situation so that you're not just basically defrauding, defrauding, excuse me, right. judgment creditors. Uh, you got defrauding and creditors smushed into one word. Defrauding. I like that. Defrauding. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, we're going to make it happen. We're going to make defrauding happen. <laughs> uh, well, Johnson and Johnson is going to make defrauding happen. Defrauding happen. <laughs> yeah, or, exactly. or not. Uh, and so I think probably that's how you give like a bankruptcy court judge the sort of cover that they might need in order to approve this sort of bankruptcy plan. Because otherwise, right. like, why would a bankruptcy court judge ever approve something like this if you are purely making sure that the creditors, the judgment creditors get absolutely nothing? Like, yeah, as as big a screw job as the Texas two step merger is for. Uh, judgment creditors and then like prospective future judgment creditors who are plaintiffs in these cases uh, as big a problem as that is for them like if you put no money in there the judge is going to say no pound sand no. and mm. in this case judgment creditor means somebody who got cancer pro uh, theoretically but uh, right. Ann Lipton asked that social celebrity uh, mm -hmm. seemed to think that the so this was decided on bankruptcy law grounds regarding whether or not it was good faith bankruptcy. And Ann Lipton seemed to think that it was more likely that the bankruptcy court would have allowed it if they didn't provide, like uh, if right. they had been more brutal about it. Because you're um, not bankrupt. You have $2 billion. You've, yeah. you've, been, you've been funded by the parent company. So you're not in financial distress. Yeah. yeah you're it, in prospective financial distress because you know you did a bad thing and and... The, the creditors are coming <laughs> soon uh though i did i may have undersold the research because i did look this up uh when the first came out because i was interested i was like why is this not a fraudulent transfer because you know in in normal mm -hmm. litigation if mm -hmm. you're facing a lawsuit and that lawsuit might make you broke 
if you transfer the money away, a court can invalidate that transfer through a fraudulent transfer. Right. It's called mm-hmm. a fraudulent transfer. And I was like, why isn't this a fraudulent transfer? The divisional merger to put all your liabilities in one corporation. And the article I said, I saw said, actually, it is like there's nothing that stops this from being considered a fraudulent transfer. But the problem is that if you are if you are suing and you have a potential you have a lawsuit which might cost, you know, millions of dollars just to litigate, you don't want to rely on the fraudulent transfer litigation years, you know, years down the road after you've got your liability, after you've got your judgment Mm -hmm. and try to claw that money back. Like, so really, it's very likely that this this merger, this divisional merger would be invalidated, but the lawyers would be facing a huge risk to do so. That's what a uh, like a law firm website I saw seemed to say, at least. Right. Is there a legitimate reason? I mean, I I was struggling to find how how this is ever anything but trying to dodge these judgment creditors like is there a legitimate reason to do this from a um trying to keep the parent company afloat perspective and therefore like there's some argument to be made for well the only way we're going to be able to ever pay these liabilities is if we can continue to keep the lights on and if this Mm -hmm. thing takes us down as a company you're never you know you're not going to get anything i i don't Mm -hmm. really see i i guess i don't i don't see the other side of this other than i don't see how you defend this other than saying like well you know we want to pay as little as possible I I have a question like this is a philosophical question, which neither of you guys have to answer. But like imagine somehow all of these all of these uh, lawsuits are meritorious and they win and people suffered seventy five billion dollars of damage over it Uh, is should our legal system be like, okay, Johnson Johnson, you're dead now, like sell all your assets shut down so that you can pay these people. That's like more of a like fundamental Mm. i i that would be you know that would be a legit bankruptcy that would be the whole point of having a bankruptcy in fact Mm -hmm. so never mind my my question is is irrelevant because we have bankruptcy to to actually deal with that yeah Um, this is part of the confusing thing to me here too is that j and j johnson and johnson uh, had pledged a funding backstop to make sure that this liability i don't know uh, scapegoat company uh, right. could actually meet the uh, meet the financial burden of what it owes to these uh, plaintiffs in these talc lawsuits. And like, mm. okay, then, so what's the point if you're just going <laughs> to pay it anyway? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I wonder, I mean, some of it probably boils down to like Wall Street investors because J&J is a publicly traded company and some of that stuff matters. Some of it probably matters from the standpoint of insurance uh, and reinsurance and all that stuff. But it kind of, at a, when you step back from it and look at it, if they're pledging the funding backstop, then what are we even doing here? What? Yeah. Why are you we? You didn't here? need the bankruptcy then, right? Theoretically, right. at least not yet. Yeah. Well, they get to set those sort of the cap on how much they would ever have to pay out, right? Based on whatever they pledged that backstop to be, because it's not yeah. just whatever they owe, right? It's a set figure they they pledged. Is that, yeah. I, I mean, that was what I read. Well, I think that's the plan in the initial uh, funding creation uh, kind of divisive merger that right. term that you love uh, is going to have that much funding in it. My read on this, and it, it's entirely possible that my read on this is wrong, is that J&J has pledged essentially some sort of like backup guarantee 
beyond the funding that initially ends up in this LTL uh, company that's mm. the sort of scapegoat mm. company. And, uh, uh, you know, if that's the case and they're, ple- they're pledging to kind of be the backup, not exactly a guarantee because that's got more entailed, but, uh, you know, we'll handle a deficiency. Like, okay, I'm not sure why we're doing this. Now, yeah. I agree. Bank- bankruptcies mm-hmm. get crazy complex, especially when there are huge corporate entities involved. Uh, and I have every reason to believe that the filings on a bankruptcy like this would be in the many thousands of pages by the time that we get to the end of it. Uh, so it's far too goofy and complex to simplify in a you know, 60-ish minute podcast. But yeah. Did you see the uh, that the attorney's fees for like one side in this case were over a million dollars on the appeal alone? Wow. It's, it's nuts. Uh, bankruptcy well, attorney of, fees are insane. That sort of raises a question to, to your philosophical question before the idea that, well, uh, the, you know, should Johnson and Johnson have to pay all of the legitimate claims that come and have to go bankrupt if necessary. But my question, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know if you guys know the answer to this. Is there any reason to believe the claimants would be uh, first in priority, you know, in front of whatever else Johnson and Johnson already owes various mortgages and loans and and whatever. So isn't it also possible that if that was to happen, the claimants would actually get less than if they Johnson and Johnson did this move? Yeah, they would. Mm -hmm. Right. Because bankrupt, they they are the last, they are, unsecured creditors right. they're after all the secured creditors and then i i don't know what the uh what the prioritization is once you're past secured versus unsecured so like unsecured creditors i've i've been an unsecured creditor in a bankruptcy or represented an unsecured creditor in bankruptcy and it was just divided evenly um among all the unsecured mm. creditors but we didn't really attempt to put ourselves above anybody else um, so without knowing what the secured creditors look like, how many they yeah. have, I mean, I, I have to assume, I really don't know anything about it, but I would have to assume, you know, a company of that size has a number of secured creditors. Yeah. Um, there might not be a ton of uh, meat left on the bone for the talc victims. Yeah. And from what I understand, there's like a, there's a, there's a lot of disagreement over whether or not the whole case of talc causing cancer at all is actually real or whether or not it's just like one expert or a few, a handful of experts that actually think this is a real thing. Right. And so it, it's kind of reflective of the, if you're making medical products, if you're making like consumer products that are like powders or like, you know, something like that, once there's like some evidence that it causes cancer, uh, a jury, like even regardless of whether meritorious, you're facing a lot of risk that a jury is just going to believe it. Uh, if an expert gets through, an expert well, has some legitimate case. The other company that that is giving this a shot, I don't know if you guys saw this, is um, 3M, apparently, with uh, hmm. uh, earplugs. And I think the uh, United States military is one of the main major claimants in, in that. It, it was that, you know, basically it's the earplugs aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Hmm. And a lot of soldiers suffered hearing loss or something. So, um, th- like, this has implications for, and I think, I, I don't remember, what the, I, th- I think there was a third company, too, that was sort of leaning on on this texas two-step thing this was the first i had heard of it i hadn't heard of this before yeah. before the johnson and johnson thing everybody started talking about it as though you know we've all been talking about it for months or whatever but uh, <laughs> it seemed to be the you know johnson and johnson seemed to be sort of the progenitor of this yeah it, it seems relatively new like they started doing it in like 2017 or something like that was the first texas two-step was like within the last few years i think or 2014 
And that's kind of crazy. It feels like kind of an obvious thing to do. Yeah. Is Texas the, did Texas, is Texas the only place where this happens? Is that, or is this, is it possible for this to happen from other places? Uh, is Delaware about to be supplanted by Texas because you can, you can Texas two step your way out of all these liabilities, at least for products. I, I, read, I thought I read that there was another, it was like Texas and there, and I thought it was Delaware or something. It's basically oh, really? places that have these demerger, uh, laws yeah. that are, uh, conducive to it. De- divisional merger. You mean divisional yeah. merger? Yeah. 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 Well, divisional merger apparently mergers. is built on de- reverse merger. There we go. Sorry. Yes. But oh, I think okay. demerger too is the, the, one of the terms. Merger, God, that's that's too close to demurrer, which the reason is an annoying shouldn't exist. The reason that they call it a Texas two step doesn't it it has to do with the fact that Texas is a forum in which you can do this, but it's also because it's a clever sounding thing that sounds like the tech the dance from Texas, so that's why it's called the Texas two step. I imagine that there are other states that it can happen in. I haven't seen specific uh references to other states that this can happen in, but. I don't think it's unique to Texas. Just unique that Texas has a dance that goes <laughs> nicely with the name yeah. that they want to give to this thing because it's sound. That sounds a lot more fun than a reverse merger. Yeah. It makes everybody but, think of reverse yeah. mortgages and infomercials that play during Jeopardy and stuff like that. That is a cool. It is a cool name for a very boring liability uh, limitation vehicle. Boring yeah. and scummy. Yeah, it's a good the, word. Yeah, the, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She called it, it, the it sky is like, merger. Yeah, it is rage-inducing thinking about like, oh yeah, you're about to face a bunch of liability. You're gonna, you know, I'm just gonna make a new company, and it's gonna be valueless. And yeah, sorry. Uh, seems extremely like a huge issue. If it if it was like unlimited, if it's truly as unlimited as as it sounds, where any Texas corporation can just be like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have liabilities. Okay. Bye. Bye. Um, (laughs) yeah. Okay. New, new company and just becomes a normal thing. Like it's hard for me to like, that's a, uh, cause Texas corporations are doing are you know, you can be a Texas corporation and operate anywhere. Sure. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do about that? If you are a, if you're a California, if you're a Colorado, if you're any state that isn't Texas, and you have Texas corporations doing business in your state. You can't legally say Texas corporations can't do business in my state. That's a, that's unconstitutional. So what mm. do you do? You have to let them register, and then they do business in your state. They harm your residents, and right. you're powerless to collect against them. I guess you collect. You don't what even you bother at a certain them. point. Yeah. yeah. So while we've been talking about this, I pulled up, why would you pursue a reverse merger? So like, what are some of the bona fide reasons that you might do something like this? turns out the SEC has put out a paper on this uh, saying that, uh, and I'm quoting from this, and I'll send uh, the link so that we can put it in the show notes. A private operating company may pursue a reverse merger in order to facilitate access to capital markets, uh, Mm -hmm. including liquidity from having its stock quoted on a stock market or listed on a private exchange. Uh, being able to get funder funding from a broader pool of public investors, uh, cheaper method of going public, uh, as it were. Uh, and mm. so perhaps oh. there are some ways uh, that this could be used in like a good faith scenario. This doesn't feel like that to me. I, no. Isn't that about SPACs? 
Is that is that what they're talking about? So SPACs meaning the like special purpose corporations where it's like you go you go public as a kind of meaningless business and then another company goes public by being subsumed by this tiny business through an insane merger. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that that may be kind of related, but I don't think okay. that there's no specific reference to that in this in this paper. But I mean, I think uh, it comes down to basically spinning off and parts of your business that are more profitable or more uh, um, able to raise capital. Like it's basically just spinning off divisions or, yeah. or sub products. Like if you own, if you're like Hasbro and you've just come up with like uh, lawn darts or something, I don't know, I should pick something that didn't kill a bunch of people in the 80s but um you're gonna want to like spin that off of your nice family friendly game market to try to keep your you know keep one entity sort of chugging along while the other one can be a little more risky like i I mean i I guess i understand it but it's all the same variation of of the same game and with this it's like the profits didn't flow only to this um little subsidiary i mean i think that's the part that i get hung up on right it Mm -hmm. the business operated as a whole and profits flowed between different divisions of johnson and johnson freely and marketing was spent freely and now you're only cabining it off when there's liabilities and it i don't know it just seems to me to be sort of transparently uh as jason said scummy the other uh, as we were as we were talking here i also found that uh, apparently in 2021 taking a different part of this um the nra attempted to do just the bankruptcy part the part where like <laughs> oh you know what i mean like this it sounds like there's a whole lot of uh, angry villagers coming to to the castle we're going to declare bankruptcy now because if they all you know file claims we're in big trouble and mm-hmm. um similarly to here they weren't able to do it because they weren't in financial distress at that point you can't be like prospectively in financial distress which mm-hmm. to me seems like an obvious public policy um necessity right it's yeah. not be able to just sort of like well we sold these products yeah. <laughs> we know we put poison in the ice cream we're going to declare bankruptcy now <laughs> yeah. because, oh man when those kids start eating it and drop dead we're going to have a lot yeah. of lawsuits on our hand yeah and like it's you want companies to be able to have the flexibility to spin off entities and here's a here's an example that i could think of is like uh google bought nest forever ago and right i i Oh, I had a Nest thermostat before they were bought by Google and Google acquiring Nest was not a great thing that happened for people who had Nest thermostats. And hmm. uh, Nest probably does a lot better when it's out from uh, Google's control, out from under the you know the thumb of Google. And so if Google wanted to turn this into a thriving company again, spin it back out <laughs> and like have the right. flexibility to do something like that. Uh, I- I'm, I'm in favor of that. Because that's spinning out a going concern, not spinning out something that, uh, hey, we're going to set this boat a sail uh, in the ocean, and then we're going to shoot flaming arrows at it so that it burns up to incinerate the dead corpse of the king. Like, no, that's no good. We don't want that. Do you not like having the Nest thermostat in your Google Home app? It's so it's so convenient. So convenient. Yeah. (laughs) I'm, but I'm Google's done. a good example. We talked about it last week with the with the advertising stuff, right? If they're forced to yeah. uh, spin off double click or or spin off the the sell side from the buy side of the of the advertising, I assume uh, functionally what they would do is something the equivalent to a demerger, right, or a, whatever this is a divisive merger. Yeah. Well, the so I I uh, relate to this like I do with all things, which is through gaming. 
um, Microsoft purchased Bungie, the makers mm-hmm. of Halo, before Halo yep. came out. And then they spun it back out and let it let Bungie go independent. And now Bungie is owned by Sony. Uh, right. So I don't know how, <laughs> why? I don't know why, but Microsoft was like, be free, go like, like Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, I don't know what the financial incentive there was. I guess they did, were like, look, we don't think you're that good of a business. We think that you're more, you're right. More than, yeah, you're more like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know because Bungie is so successful. Um, you're, you're, this is more than you're worth. So we're going to spin you out. Maybe we, they saddled them with debt or something on the way out or something like that. I don't <laughs> Take know. these bills with you. Right? Uh, it all, yeah. It also happened to the makers of Hitman. Hitman spun off from 505. Anyway, I, I told it you, also, ga- gaming. <laughs> anyway. It's also apparently pretty common in the power utility industry for the supply side versus the, what hmm. is the other? Delivery side, right? They, they start as one entity and then they, they get spun off into separate entities. And the other thing I was thinking about is in in uh, with mortgages, a lot of times you'll find that the note holder is not the mortgage servicer. And I imagine that is some, mm-hmm. something similar too. that like you might have Wells Fargo as sort of a portfolio loan holding entity, and then they'll separately be a loan servicer, sometimes for their loans, but oftentimes for other loans. And so I, I can understand how it might be, you know, it might have some utility and some like legitimate use at certain points. But obviously here the timing just seems like it is clearly it's jason's metaphor of the boat (laughs) with the flaming arrows yeah they are not being you know they're not being sly about this they're just like yeah Yeah. no (laughs) you take you take this poison and you run with it yeah uh we should get uh chancery daily or ann lipton on the on the podcast to explain what what's going on (laughs) or like why why things get spun off for legit reasons um for yeah I have to believe there are legitimate reasons. And, well, you know, if you, in, a, in a scenario where you imagine like, okay, let's take the Bungie spinoff or something like that. Yeah. What happens right. when you spin Bungie out into a new company? Who's the shareholder that owns all of it? Well, it's Microsoft at first until they sell it. Mm-hmm. And so they're probably recovering some cash by selling it to either privately or publicly to somebody else. And so maybe they just wanted the cash more than they, or the absence of debt more than they wanted the functioning video game studio that turned out to make some pretty great products. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? The thing, what's the actual difference between a wholly owned subsidiary and a company where a company just happens to own a hundred percent of the stock of that company? Is it just purely like a, I guess, uh, governance, like you're under our, uh, how, yeah. our health insurance, you, are in a functioning in a functioning on our like, books <laughs> policy regime wouldn't sort of again to bring back the Google Ads thing wouldn't antitrust law be at play between the two entities or no I, I don't know again I'm not an antitrust expert but I mean that was my assumption is that when you split them up there is some um, like bargaining requirements there is some I, I don't know I, I just assumed mm-hmm. there was some use for doing this I don't see they they seem to go to a lot of trouble to split up companies. <laughs> frequently and i have to assume yeah. there's a reason for it other than just no no you need to rent different office space and go you know go work <laughs> out of that now yeah i bet you i have no actual factual basis for saying this but i bet you like probably nine times out of ten it has to do with tax advantages yeah 
Mm. If any yeah. if any listeners have any corporations to give away so that we can learn how this works, I'd be happy to take <laughs> a couple, right. especially nested corporations. That'd be super mm. cool. Just like hit hit me up on Mastodon and I'll take them off your hands. <laughs> Speaking of companies that should be broken up or shouldn't exist, <laughs> uh, have you guys been uh, paying attention at all to this do not pay, this ongoing do not pay uh uh, the the metaphor I used, which I, I hope resonates with you guys. You guys have seen Eddie Murphy's uh, Delirious stand up special. I hope. Nope. Oh, it's no? been years. No. It's been oh. well. It's been so long. He has this bit where he says that um, when his aunt Bunny falls down the stairs, she tries to stop herself, and so it takes like a half an hour. It takes a lot longer than if a kid falls <laughs> down the stairs, and so then he makes this sound, this long thing of her slowly falling down the stairs. And I feel like Do Not Pay and Josh Browder is that aunt just like falling down the stairs and trying to stop herself and trying to, trying to come to a, to a halt. This is like a slow motion train derailment of just every aspect of what this guy has been saying in over the last month is slowly being unveiled as just utter mm-hmm. nonsense or lies or both. I, I feel like it's more like a Wiley coyote situation where he's been standing mm. <laughs> on open air for like a long time and hasn't looked <laughs> right. down. He's still not looking down. No, but yeah. Catherine Tucson, or is that her name? The the paralegal mm-hmm, yeah. that's destroying mm-hmm. him, uh, is <laughs> right. like pointing out to everybody right. how there's no land, no land beneath him. And that's a, it's, that's a better one, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's the situation. It's so funny. So, uh, did you did you say what happened? That so he no. okay. So yeah, a he promised that he was an AI this this company which has existed for six years, seven years, right? Um. We mentioned this last week, but it was like they were like, we're going to put an AI lawyer in the courtroom and we're going to get people to walk into a courtroom and get instructions from the AI lawyer through Air- AirPods. And then he started <laughs> and then he canceled it because everybody was like, that's unlicensed practice of law. That's literally a crime. And he's like, yeah, the government's trying to take me down. Uh, right, so we're going to stop lawyers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and. Miss Tucson, it's Cat Catherine. Miss Tucson, I believe so. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, after that happened, so she she's been pointing out problems with it this whole time. Uh, yeah. Maybe her most her initial big splash thing was she was like, "I'm gonna sign up for uh, do not pay. I'm gonna ask for these four documents that they promised that they can do," and uh, and they she signed up for them. She put her information in the AI generator and the AI generator was like, this is going to take eight hours. Come back in eight hours. <laughs> and he blocked uh, this guy, Browder blocked her at first and then eventually said, okay, sorry, we're, we're canceling all those services. Those services no longer exist. Um, and here's your money back. And, right. uh, uh, and, and the latest is he's updated the terms of service. Yes. To say that you can't, <laughs> test it basically you can't discover my fraud yeah is, is, is in the terms of service now that's against the terms you can't do yes that. he added that after talking to her without saying yeah. that it was added but also right. he said that the reason why it didn't work for her was because they have ai to detect when it's being tested and that, that's <laughs> right. this the isn't for a real proceeding work. this is fake so we know yeah yeah that we we knew wait he, he asked so was your use legitimate it's like what is that <laughs> what does that how, mean how would you know yeah. What does that mean? Oh, you have the most you actually have secretly have the most advanced bot detecting AI where it detects humans that are not being tr- 
true to themselves, humans right. who aren't being true and real. That's incredible. You should sell that. Um, yeah, that, that's that, a good that's that's a good product. Yeah, that's an incredible product. Finally, that, a marketable product. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, that's oh, that's right. This is a this is a follow up. So yes, this is a follow up from the previous from previous right. week. So. But so the then <laughs> the most like just cringe inducing agreed. So the aforementioned Ms. Tucson then dives into his tweets and finds that he had promised to um, because of the wonderful way that our medical debt system works. There's ways that you can basically make donations to charitable organizations to purchase other people's medical debt for like pennies on the dollar. And so he said at some point for every like retweet that some stupid tweet of his was get God or whatever, he was going to give, you know, $50 to purchase the medical debt of, you know, people who are saddled with debt. And so I don't know when this was, it was at some point pre, I think it was about 2017. It was quite a while ago that he had made mm-hmm. this, he had, you know, made this oh, declaration. I thought it was last December or what, was, was it the, just last December? Okay. It was well, a while last ago, December was is not, when he said he made the, the donation. Right. But the okay. point it being then when he tries to prove that he made this donation, uh, it takes him about 20 minutes. <laughs> Similarly, <laughs> I think, to how long it takes him to generate these documents. Um, he uh, then comes up with a receipt that looks like Mad Libs. The, the date is like kind of higher on the on, on. It's not in line with where it should be. And so Ms. Tucson uh, makes a donation of her own and gets a receipt and compares the receipt to see like, well, you know, good faith maybe that's just how these donation receipts are generated they're a little they're askew or whatever hmm. super not askew the date line was perfectly lined up with the word date as it should be hers looked quite a bit different from his receipt so i think he she then presented it to him and i think he you know didn't answer or whatever but she then reached out to the uh it was like rip medical debt dot com or mm-hmm. something reached out to mm-hmm. them and said hey could you just you know let me know <laughs> when this person made this donation and it was like Four minutes after she had pointed out to him on Twitter that he had never made that donation, or he, a- or I guess she asked. I guess the initial thing was an ask of, "Did you make this donation?" Right. And so four, yeah. four minutes later, he makes the donation and then quick, quickly replies, "You know, in fifteen f- more minutes, I presume the amount of time it takes him to open, you know, Photoshop <laughs> or something, and 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 change, you know, quickly mock it up to look like it had been made back when he made the tweet." Um, yeah. So uh, he's just wh- wholesale sad. Yeah, sad, very cringe, sad, unbelievably sad. And so you discovered something. You, were, you, I saw you had posted Jake on Mastodon. The like initial, you know, is this the new golden boy of Silicon Valley yeah. story? Yeah. For well, I just like name searched him on Twitter because I was like, this guy, like, who is this guy? Because we know he's the right. son of like a big Bill Browder, um, Bill Browder, yeah. who's a, I guess, a Russian venture capital guy, right? Like yeah. ru- specifically in Russia. Um, yeah, but. Uh, I was like, so what, you know, what's, what's this guy's deal? Uh, but yeah, I found, you know, when he was 19, it got a lot sadder to me. Like, and when he was 19, he was getting, you know, glowing write-ups from Wired about how th- these guys, this 19 year old has taken on, he's only 19 and he's got a business to, to take on, uh, you know, people's, the injustice to take on the gap, the justice gap. And it's right, like, oh, hey. this guy. How do you, how I wonder how he got that business at nineteen. <laughs> I wonder how he yeah, got in Wired uh, with this with this business that hadn't actually done anything. It's like oh the- I I see what happened here. This kid, you know he he's being I don't know what who was driving the bus there, uh, but like you know it has he, gone off the cliff. 
Yeah, he, he it's it's always he's always had the biggest birthday party. I'm betting he's always had the he always had the the spotlight. I'm, I'm I want to leave I want to leave a lot of opportunity open because this is basically an exact parallel to how Tony Stark's story began before he became Iron Man. So like, I'm leaving open the possibility hmm. that he could uh, you know get captured by the Taliban. <laughs> I was going to uh, say terrorists. Oh, build no. this awesome, build this awesome <laughs> robot exoskeleton and become a superhero. Like, uh, there you go. Good on you, Joshua Browder. If if that's what happens here, uh, I do want to take a second here and call out R.I.P. Medical Debt. This may not be a thing that a lot of people understand, uh, but in the United States, at least in most states, every state that I've ever practiced law in, you can buy and sell debt pretty easily. Uh, you can, it's called buying the paper or buying the debt or something like that. Uh, you can exchange debts. Uh, and this leads to one super scummy business of uh, people discharging bad debts, banks, credit cards, selling them off to debt collectors who then have scummy practices. And that's why we have the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. RIP Medical Debt, on the other hand, is an organization that is dedicated to buying that debt, not to collect it, but to discharge it because these uh, medical providers and in particular, probably uh, hospital corporations grossly overcharge for a lot of their services. And it turns out when you grossly overcharge for something, you'll accept pennies on the dollar. And that's why Mm -hmm. a $500 donation to RIP Medical Debt could plausibly be extended to uh, discharge $50,000 worth of medical debt. And so great on that organization and like, let's amp them up and uh, let as many yeah, people yeah. hear about that as possible. Uh, there was an awesome episode of uh, this week. Uh, gosh, what's the name of that show with John Oliver on HBO? Last week tonight. Yeah. Mm. Last week tonight. I yeah. think they did an episode. We know somebody was on there. Yeah. Do we? Me. Yeah. I, I just talked to what? them. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> Well, no, okay. never, not never mind. We're circling back to that. Yeah, that's, our, th- that's our concluding that, thoughts you'll, here. We'll circle back to that plenty <laughs> okay. next week when the Florida, uh, when Florida brings in its special session to resolve the Disney's Reedy Creek thing. Anyway, never, you'll oh you'll see, you'll see. So anyway, there's a, <laughs> probably a what three or four year old episode of last week tonight with John Oliver where they did this very thing and he like hammed it up real funny. Uh, but this yeah. is a good organization that does good work and I. I in, in the kerfuffle here between Joshua Browder and Catherine Tucson and uh, the three of us, you know, kind of, uh, uh, what are we doing here? Uh, ganging up on him, dogpiling on him. Uh, <laughs> let's not lose sight of RIP Medical Debt is an organization that's doing a really cool thing that is relieving people from uh, crushing medical debt uh, and is absolutely worth time and dollars to to uh, give to. There's a uh, There's a really good like four part podcast on uh or four part uh like arc of this american life called somebody else's money which is about uh the medical economy the medical insurance and medical services Mm. economy that was really good like it kind of explains both why hospitals super overcharge and Mm -hmm. why this you know the debt will you know get settled for for pennies on the dollar it really Mm -hmm. just is a shame because like hospitals don't expect to collect it for the most part but people right. have a sense of honor and also want to protect their credit score they don't want to leave debts un- unpaid mm-hmm. and so it's like it really sets it up where the like the the more you are you fail to pay that debt which is kind of which is artificially inflated um like the better you are they expect you to not pay your debts which is kind of which it sucks 
It's not yeah. a good system to have. Yeah, but cool on rip medical debt. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. All right. Um, if, unless you guys have anything else to say about uh, do not pay or uh, uh, Joshua Browder or um, <laughs> anything there, do you guys want to move on just to what's going on and you know yeah. recommendations and, and such? We're coming up on an hour. Yeah, yeah so we made great. it all the way. We did. <laughs> we made was it. Was there ever any doubt? Was there ever <laughs> any doubt that we could sit here and just blow smoke for an hour? Did uh, Did you Not guys here. watch uh, episode three of The Last of Us? Are you okay? Did you watch it? I haven't. I haven't watched okay. any of them, man. Okay. I haven't watched any of them either. I'm not um, turning them on until I finished both uh, episode one and episode two on the PlayStation. Of the games. I'm, yeah. And I know like I'm probably okay to watch season one of The Last of Us if I finished episode one, which I have. But I just, you know, I want to get it all under my belt before I make my foray into that. But are you okay, Jake? Yeah. Are you okay <laughs> after seeing it? I heard yeah, it was great. Episode three is so like... Have you seen the San Junipero episode of Black Mirror? Or have you seen Black Mirror? These are both episodes. These are both all timers that people are going to be talking about for a long time. Hmm. But uh, yeah, you know, I that that's going to be my recommendation. I'm taking over. My recommendation is The Last of Us episode three. Uh, It's like uh, even if you're not a fan of the game, even if you don't, even if you're not a fan of the show, even if you don't like zombie shows. Even you like, don't, you don't even have, don't watch episode one or two. Just know that there's zombies in this world. Keep watching for the first 15 minutes or something, and then it'll get to the the good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a and it's it has the last Nick of Offerman us, uh, in it, right? It has Nick Offerman. It has who doesn't love Nick Offerman? Murray Bartlett. Nick, Nick Offerman playing a prepper um, or a survivalist, as he as he likes to call himself. It's um, very on brand for the guy who played uh, Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. If one wanted to play the game, uh, The Last of Us, what is that on PlayStation? Yeah. PlayStation 4 and Only? PlayStation 5. Not Xbox. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there, I don't think it's on. It might be on PC now. Um, okay. The Last of Us 1. Not 2, but 1. I think it might be on PC. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. All right, I'll go next. Uh, I, uh, my wife and I, we watched this Friday. Uh, last Friday, we watched uh, the first two episodes that got published of this new show on Apple TV Plus called Shrinking. Uh, I am a, I will confess to being a Jason Siegel fan. Uh, I will confess to being a Harrison Ford fan. Uh, Who's not? This is a surprisingly heartwarming show uh, that is kind of in in some ways it struck me as being in the same spirit as Ted Lasso. And that's not that surprising because it's made by the same creator, mm-hmm. Bill Lawrence who created Ted Lasso and also created scrubs like two all time shows that are among my favorites. Uh, but the heart that's in this and like the quirky humor. And I just like l- literally burst out laughing at Harrison Ford just sitting there deadpan delivering his lines. It's, it's got so much heart. It's got like, a touch of sadness and like overcoming emotional adversity and like dealing with hard stuff in your life. And so it's got that Ted Lasso feel, uh, and, uh, just strong recommend. Uh, it is not extremely light. And so you're not going to necessarily mm. walk away from it feeling like, uh, you know, you just 
watched some super joyful, uh, right. you know, procedural comedy or something like that. It's not that that seventies show or now that nineties show, uh, where you're going to walk away with it from a, Oh, that was a fun 25 minutes of laughs, uh, but really, really good. Strong recommend. Apple... Is it a limited series or is it a, uh, like going to be an ongoing <laughs> thing? I think it's ongoing. I think mm, okay. I might be confusing it. No, I, th- I'm confusing it with The Last of Us. I thought for a second there that it already got picked up for season two. I have a hard time imagining how it wouldn't because okay. already in the first but two But I mean, episodes, it's not just really one good. season. Gotcha. Okay. No, Apple there Plus wasn't. is really working out. They're doing yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I've heard them uh, analogize to like the old HBO where it mm-hmm. was not a ton of content all the time. Uh but hmm. the content that was on there was like the must watch content and right. hmm. the awards are bearing that out. Like they're, they're cleaning up at the awards shows. It's the opposite of the Netflix model of churn out a <laughs> bunch of trash <laughs> right. and eventually you'll get lucky. Uh huh. The volume about a Frogger game. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think Jake, you made your recommendation, right? Or did you want to talk about that? You had, well, you had another, got- uh, Hi-Fi Rush, good game, good game. If you have Xbox Game Pass, buy that. Or if you don't, buy that, $30. Very good game. Uh, rhythm Hi-Fi Combat. Rush. As in music. Like music, rhythm music. as in, okay, gotcha. Lo- Lo- okay. Lonely Boy, Nine Inch Nails on the soundtrack. It's all good. Okay. Lonely Boy, Nine Inch Nails. Lo- Lo- Lonely Black Boy, Keys, Lonely the Boy? Black Keys song. Oh, okay, I understand. Yes. Got you, okay. Yes. Okay, so my, my recommendation is not a recommendation. It's just I've had a chance now to play with the Oculus uh quest two i think is what it's called right i, yeah. I can never remember the quest two yeah um yeah it's uh very cool I, i'm enjoying it a lot so i was more as i often do looking for recommendations from you guys so far what i've been playing is there's a game like contractors which kind of reminds me as of like an old um like counter-strike uh kind of mm. game i'm just playing mm. i'm not playing a multiplayer because i'll kill myself or you know break something in the house or whatever so i'm just playing with bots and stuff um obviously uh beat saber very cool yeah. um I'm having some difficulty with like after about an hour or so, uh, pretty, uh, I won't say nauseous, but um, there's some vertigo going on. Mm -hmm. And that lasts for quite, I know you guys aren't doctors, uh, but like that lasts lasts for quite a while afterwards. That does not immediately go away. And then interacting with any other screen afterwards is very strange. Like I was, I played a game before and then I uh, sat down in front of the iMac and was looking at it and, the, the screen was kind of doing some like weird, you know, ooh, coming at me type mm. stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, looking for recommendations, what you guys, I know I asked a little bit on Slack and you guys gave me some answers, but uh, do you yeah. have a, a quest, uh, Jake? Yeah. Or, I, I'm sorry, I, an Oculus? Yeah, I have a quest. Um, okay. an Ocu- I wish it was an Oculus, but no, it's a meta quest now. Um, oh, is it not an Oculus at all? I, I go to Oculus.com Oculus. to buy games. Yeah. It's meta now. It's meta now. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I, you know, Beats. Every game that I played on there, I was like, after an hour, I'm like, okay, I want to get out. I like, I'm, yeah, I this is cool, but I want my head to breathe. Uh, but Be- Beat Saber, I could play for like three hours, and it was like good exercise. It was, it was really good. Uh, I will say, there's a um, if you feel nauseous in there, you should immediately get out uh, because I know somebody who played a game called Boneworks, which is a VR it, yeah. game. And it's just like it's similar to contractors. Those are the two yeah. that people uh, recommend for like first person shooters. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No. So Boneworks is supposedly good, but it's very taxing vertigo wise if you're sensitive to that. And apparently right. what happens is if you have vertigo or if you have like motion sickness problems, if you keep right. going, it'll ruin VR for the rest. Like 
entirely. Like you won't be able to put it on really? at all. You'll just have an immediate like re- motion sickness reaction. Like if That's you were, o- if you are okay and then not okay, it, you'll right. lose the part where you're okay. You're just going to have mm. motion oh, no. sickness immediately. And then when that's the only reality there is, I won't be able to exist anymore. I'll just exactly. To, I'll cease to, to be. Yeah. This, is like the time I, this is like the time when I was 12 that I threw up watermelon and now I hate watermelon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I totally thought you were going to say. Like if you press through, you'll vomit, uh, but and then, then you'll, you'll be rally. Okay. Yeah, then you'll be no. okay. You just, just have a bucket with you, you know, push through, <laughs> yeah. you'll be okay. No. It's not the puke and yeah. rally situation. It's the puke and no. hate it forever situation. Puke and keep puking <laughs> and puke forever. <laughs> I could see that. Um, uh, I do have a Beat Saber related recommendation. Uh, okay. They have add-on music packs that you get it mm-hmm. that you can get in there. And there's right. I don't know the exact name of it, but there's one that's like I don't know, just like the rock and roll or like the classic okay. rock music pack. And it feels really bad to guys my age uh, to call uh, Nirvana classic rock. Mm-hmm. Like smells like Teen Spirit doesn't feel like classic rock to me, but it totally right. is. Uh, but that is an awesome pack. Sweet Child of Mine is in there, and that's a fun play. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I haven't when, done any of the expansions yet, so that's a good that's a good recommendation. I saw them in yeah. there, and I just didn't know. Like, you never know what's actually a, you know going to translate well. That's yeah. great. No, you're, you're still living on hundred dollar bills. Hundred dollar uh, bills, yeah. yeah, and things that actually reference the game itself. Like, I think one of them yeah. is called Beat Saber. Yeah, and it just keeps yeah. telling me that I'm in Beat Saber, and this is Beat Saber. Yeah, My, you're playing uh, Beat Saber. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Just reminding you, you're playing Beat Saber. Uh, do yourself a you're favor okay. and try. Uh, there's uh, there's one in there called Fitbeat. Try that on 360 mode. It's awesome. Fitbeat 360 mode. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about 360 mode. Yeah. Try that it. came out. I don't like, know what 360 mode I stopped. is. I haven't done that yet. Oh, it, it co- they come from all directions, basically. Obviously, I guess. Yeah. What, it like you yeah. have to like turn around at, at, at points. It like tells you where it's coming from. Um, okay. But yeah, my my kid really likes a hundred dollar bills, or he did back when I was <laughs> into that. Uh, it's such a like <laughs> the song for people who are listening. I haven't heard this. It's like got the dumbest lyrics. It's just like hundred dollar bills, hundred dollar bills, hundred dollar, hundred dollar, hundred dollar bills, and it's just like that over and over. Uh, yeah, great song, love it. <laughs> I think that rendition is a great uh, thing to go out on. Yeah, and if we ever make a trailer. That that little bit there is going to be in it, I think. Your version That's of hundred dollar soundboard, the Esquiring yeah. Minds soundboard. Exactly. That's our episode, Kimosabi. That's my that's my attempt at a at a catchphrase. We were talking about that Sweet earlier. Sweet sign offline, save yeah. it. That's going on the soundboard too. Yep. <laughs>